for those of you who are new here, my name is Brent. I'm the senior pastor. It's a privilege. We, we actually are one church in multiple locations. So we have folks right now who are tuning in all the way in Halifax. Hello to Halifax. Hello to everybody at Seaside, Sam to Sham. It's awesome to gather together. Those of you who don't know me, I'm the senior pastor here. I've been here for about 12, almost 13 years now. Uh, I've been the senior pastor for seven uh, and it's just a privilege to, to serve you each and every week. And I love to open the Word of God. Uh, I have a wife. Her name's Melanie. She's gorgeous, and I love her. And uh, I have three kids, Ava, who is 10, Aiden, who is 8, and Alexander, who is 3. And uh, our first two, we, we had uh, just, we, we thought we were done, and then we had this latecomer named Alex. And for the Lord to, to keep us from Becoming conceited, uh, he gave us a little man named Alex. And before we had Alex, we, we were maybe like slightly judgmental as parents to, to parents who had like a strong-willed child. Oh, look at them. They can't control their kids. <laughs> Rookies. And then we had Alex. And uh, man, it's, uh, he, he's, got some, he's got some spunk, let me tell you. Rightly named, Alexander, Alexander the Great. Like, he just, he knows how to battle. He knows how to war. Like, even, even like, lunch is a battle. I got a, I got a picture. Like, this is, this is what it means for him to eat vegetables. Like, boy, <laughs> I'm not going to like it. I think I got another one, actually. He's just, that's, that's. That's my boy. There he is. He's going to do great and mighty things, I believe. Uh, we just, we're just working with him, though. Um, and the thing he's finding out right now, because my wife and I, we, we aren't pushovers, and we're old school, and, and we will time out only so much. And then we get on to spanking, y'all. Don't judge me. Some kids need a whooping once in a while. <laughs> I, feel like a, I feel judgment happening right now. No, man, like we're, we're like old school. We want good, well-behaved kids. And sometimes they need to know their boundaries, some kids more than others. And so we're working on it with Alex. And he's learning a powerful principle of life. And that is this. It's not what you do to gain attention. It's what you do once you have it. It's it, the most important moment for Alexander is not the moment that gained our attention. Like if he got in trouble or if he did something, that's not the most important moment. The most important moment for him is what he does when we come upon him and we're watching closely. That's the moment we tell what's really going on with this boy. I'll, I'll illustrate. Uh, last week, he, he was giving my wife a hard time and he, he was kind of, he, he was starting to kind of get aggressive and he's three years old and he's just exp work, working out the world and, and he, and he, and he kind of just did a little half hit on, on Melanie's arm. And so my wife just wasn't having that. And we don't hit, boy. And she started to put him in his place. She goes, you don't hit. And he kind of freezes. And the stare down, the Clint Eastwood stare down begins, right? And now he's thinking, it's not what I did. It's what I do next. It's really going to define me. And he knows that the focus is on. And so what I'm about to do is going to communicate. So I can either stand down or I can go back. And so this, this particular occasion, doesn't he reach out his little hand and just go, boop, on my wife's, on my wife's arm, because uh, he's testing. So he learned that was a bad decision. But I, I'm seeing him now figure out the freeze. Like, he freezes because all of our focus is upon him. And, and he knows this principle. It's not, 
So much what you did to get our attention, it's how you respond once you have it. That's going to tell us where you're really at more. And that's, it's a principle in life that a lot of the time what we watch the closest isn't what, what, what someone did to get our attention. It, it's not the first album that really matters. It's the second, correct? Because there's lots of one-hit wonders. We'll, we'll find out your true colors after you pump out some more hits, correct? Or, or, or like the, the great sports athletes. Like it's not so much, you know, there's lots of people that have one great moment, but it's what you do after the moment. I think that's what made Michael Jordan so legendary is because after he won three, he retired. He's like, ah, I'm done. I'm going to do some other things. It's what you do once you have the attention that communicates what really matters to you. Once you've already got the attention. And this is kind of what Mark is doing today as we kind of come to this little story about a man with leprosy. If you've been tracking along in our story, Mark's been telling his version of the gospel of Jesus. We've been learning that gospel is good news, and each of the four gospels are a different version or gospel or story of the story of Jesus, and we're getting it from Mark's perspective. And so all of these stories are, although entirely true and entirely the word of God, there's also craft and, and strategy, and, and there's, there's actually authorship in here, and they put everything there for a reason and if you've been following along, we've, we've seen Mark tell us that Jesus came and he kind of established his ministry and he gained disciples and John the Baptist went out in front of him. And the last week we saw something magnificent. It wasn't just that Jesus was going to be this, 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 this you know, compelling teacher. But in fact, Mark wants you to know from the beginning that this is, this is a king, the king of kings, so great and so authoritative that, that sickness actually listens to him. He was healing bodies. He was so authoritative that demons were actually not just speaking to him, but running from him. And so Mark immediately wants us to see this is not just some ordinary guy. This, this is the super ordinary. This is supernatural. This is something altogether different. We, we, we have been noticing. And so Mark kind of puts this story here on the heels of Jesus commanding our attention. You, the reader at this point, if you're reading the gospel of Mark, you should be like, okay, I'm watching, I'm listening. And Mark puts this little story about a man with leprosy here. And I believe in this story we get a picture or a window, not just into what Jesus can do, but why and for whom he came to do it. And so the Bible says that this man with leprosy came and fell before Jesus. He came and he, we don't know a lot of the backstory. We don't know how old he was, how long he had leprosy. We don't know any of the story. Other gospels tell other stories about people with leprosy with a little more detail. Maybe he had a name. We, we hear about Simon the leper, but this man was only known by his issue. He had leprosy and we find out that a man with leprosy came and fell at the feet of Jesus and he cries out to Jesus and he says, Jesus, you can heal me. We don't know where he was. We don't know where he heard. This kind of reminds me back, if you were with us week one, when we talked about the power of expectation. This man had expectation. He had heard through the grapevine that this Jesus was a magnificent healer, that he was healing all different types of diseases and infirmities. It was just, it was gaining steam. And so he finds Jesus and he moves into his proximity. We talked about the power of anticipation. That if you're going to see God do something great in your life, it's not just believing he can, but it's getting in the place where he's going to do it. And so this man with leprosy had heard about Jesus and he seeks out Jesus and he comes and he falls at his feet and he cries out and he says, if you are willing, if you would, I know you could, will you heal me? 
Now, you got to understand a little bit about leprosy to get the full picture of what we're talking about here, to really understand what I think Mark wants us to see. Leprosy is still a disease today, but in the days of Jesus, leprosy was the most feared of diseases. Uh, it was the most feared because it was the most contagious. And if you caught it, it absolutely destroyed your life, not just your body, but your social life. It would affect your body. First, you'd see it show up in your eye. Uh, it would crystallize over the eye, little spots would form, and then it would begin to go out over your skin. And as it kind of got over your skin, little white blotches would start to show up and form. And then the, the hard part isn't just that it looked like psoriasis or some really bad skin issue, but as it kind of progressed in your body, it went not just from being a surface level thing, but it would actually eat down into your very flesh. And in fact, it would start working its way into the depths of your body so far that it would even begin to rot out your extremities. You would lose feeling in, in your fingers, in your hands, your nose, your ears, the, all of your extreme appendages. You would start to lose feeling. And in fact, you would start to, it would rot right through where people would actually lose their hands or lose their foot or lose their nose. Many lepers didn't have a nose or an ear. They'd be missing some part of them. It was a horrible disease one of which in their day, and I don't know to my knowledge if there's a cure for it. I, don't, I know it doesn't have the same effect as it maybe did at, in the days of Jesus, but in their day, there was no cure. If you had leprosy, you, are, you were already pronounced dead. It was just a matter of time. You were essentially the walking dead. And so leprosy, that you picture this man sores all over his body, but not just the visible sores on the outside, but he would have had major things rotting away and actually falling off, literally falling off of his body. Like just a gruesome, debilitating disease, the, the worst that you could possibly get. And so that's kind of what would happen when you got leprosy, but worse than maybe the physical side effects of having leprosy would have been the social side effects of having leprosy because the moment you got leprosy, because it was such a contagious, because it was such a devastating disease, the moment that you got leprosy, you were completely quarantined. That the whole community essentially sent you out. In fact, if you read the Old Testament, there's even strict commandments in the law of God to quarantine someone with leprosy because they had nothing that could contain it. If you had contact with leprosy, you were going to get it. So if you got leprosy, if you were a husband and you had kids you would probably never be able to touch or see or even be within 50 paces of your wife and kids. You would lose your job. You would lose your community. You would have to live outside of the city, outside of the town, uh, form up in a leper colony where people who have your disease would hang out because they're the only community you're going to have from now on. It robbed your entire life. It disconnected you from any meaningful connection with others and with fulfillment. You couldn't do what you were good at. It didn't matter how talented you were. If you had leprosy, you weren't going to be able to put your hands to use. It robbed everything from your life. These were the symptoms. This was the circumstance. And now I know those of us who are reading the, the text today, I don't imagine you have leprosy here today. If you do, I, I ask that you don't join the red shirt team. Um, <laughs> relax. <laughs> it was a joke. Lepers have feelings too. Like, okay. <laughs> I don't imagine you have leprosy today. But in the Bible, leprosy isn't just a picture of a physical ailment. Leprosy is actually a picture of a disease that all of us have. 
It's a picture of something that affects all of us, that eats away at all of us, something that robs and destroys all of us, something that cuts us off from meaningful connections, something that robs us from our purpose, that keeps us from being able to have meaningful relationships and community. And that thing is not leprosy. That thing is called sin. The Bible says it's actually a disease that's inside of us. It's not, not just stuff that you do. I know a lot of us, we think of, I sinned. I use that term. If I did something wrong, I sinned. Yes, you did, but it's not so much that the sin is not so much the stuff you do. It's, it's, it's what's inside of you. And when you sin on the outside, it's just the fruit of the disease on the inside. See, we all have sinned. The Bible says all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so when we see this man with leprosy fall at the, the feet of Jesus, see yourself. You're not Jesus in this story. We're not the disciples in this story. We're the man with leprosy. We're the man who's covered in shame, covered in sores, who's been wounded, who's had pieces of them just kind of fall off and, and, no long, and, and not be able to do that or I can't go there anymore. Or, I can't talk like that anymore. Or, I can't see that person anymore. We know that feeling It's to have leprosy. The Bible says there's a man with leprosy. It's a picture of our sin. It's a picture of our disconnection and isolation. It's a picture of our shame. And it's in this moment the camera zooms in. This is the moment that Mark wants you to see because what is Jesus going to do next? He has our attention. He's been doing these amazing things. And this man with leprosy fights through the crowd, breaks all the rules, and gets up in the, in the, at the feet of Jesus. And watch what Jesus does next. And this gives us a picture. I have a simple message today, and I'm not going to take a long time, but this gives us a picture of what Jesus is really about and what he really came to do. I want you to look in and hone in on verse 40 and 41. Mark, verse 40 and 41 of chapter 1. He says, if you are willing, picture that. Just get that picture of the, the, the man with leprosy, the feet of Jesus looking up at him. Get the picture of you in all of your woundedness and dysfunction, all of your shame, all your disgrace. Get that picture of you looking up and watch Jesus' reaction. You can heal me and make me clean, he said. Verse 41 says, moved with compassion. That is one of the most beautiful verses in the whole Bible. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out. If you're taking notes, write this down. Now that Jesus has your attention, you need to know this. Jesus did not just come to overcome the devil, although he did. He didn't just come to impress you with his power, although it is. He actually came here to reconcile us to God. He came here, let me say it like this, to reach the unreachable. He came here to actually reach the unreachable. This leper was an unreachable person. He was someone that could not be touched, someone that could not be reached, someone that was on the outside looking in. And Jesus comes and he has this moment. And you can just picture the crowd. They're probably thinking like the disciples are trying to work up the courage at that moment to grab the guy and remove him, but they don't want to get the stuff on their hands. So they're kind of frozen there. And at the moment where they think Jesus, the great and mighty, great I am, glorious son of God, Prince of Peace, King of Kings, the moment where they think he's probably going to back away because glorious things shouldn't touch dirty things, righteous things shouldn't touch unrighteous things, beautiful things shouldn't touch dirty things. At that moment, Jesus does not retract. He actually moves closer. Jesus is not repelled by him. He's actually compelled by him. It says, move with compassion. This man's dysfunction and shame and grossness actually moved Jesus 
toward him, not away. Someone needs to hear that because you came to church and you think, I shouldn't even be here. I'm not holy enough. I'm not righteous enough. I've done so many things. I'm so far from God. And you're right. But here's the lie. The devil wants you to think, I got to get myself cleaned up. I got to get rid of this leprosy. I got to get rid of these spots and sores. I got to be right before I can go and see anybody like Jesus. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is not you have to clean yourself up and pick yourself up by your own bootstraps and get back to God. The gospel is God moved to you. The gospel is that God came to us. I love it. Like Mark's trying to tell us like there, there, there's, there's no one off limits. That guy, that girl, the girl that did the stuff, the guy that just got it all wrong, the guy, like, like just, it would have blown everybody's mind. If Jesus moved toward a leper, there's no one else he won't move, to move toward. What a beautiful picture. It would have, people would have gasped that he moved that direction. But that's the gospel. That's the gospel. And it's different than every other religion in the whole world. Every religion. Listen, other than the last like 150 years, since, since the enlightenment, humanity has always held that there is a higher power. There is some being. I mean, you look at the earth, you look, you, you look around, it, creation screams design, it screams artistry and intention. You look at, you look at the world, you sense in your, in your soul that there's something more. And so humans have always believed there is a God, a higher power. And we've always sensed this disconnection. If you think about it long enough, you realize, okay, there is a God and I'm not God and I can't, I'm not with God. And so I must have to try to fill in the gap and get back to God. And so every religion is essentially the same thing. It's stacking moral, moral accomplishments or certain prayers or certain beliefs or certain attitudes or actions. It's, it's stacking some kind of system to create a ladder, something to climb up on to, 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 to fill the gap between you and God. Every single religion. What is reaching nirvana? What is, what, even the Jewish religion, it was this idea of if you follow these rules, if you fulfill these commandments, then you will be, be, be with God. And that is not the gospel, though. The gospel isn't that, that, that man gets to God. The gospel is that God came to man. That we didn't, we didn't move toward him. And in fact, the Bible says you can, you can spend an eternity doing it right and you're never going to reach God. And so this is what's so amazing about this story. The gospel is that God has been moved by compassion in humanity's direction. That's who Jesus is. That's why he came. The Bible says in John 1, I love it, Eugene Peterson. I'm reading his book on being a pastor right now. It's beautiful. And in it, Eugene Peterson translates John 1. He says, the word became flesh. The word put on a body and moved into the neighborhood. That's what Jesus did. God moved into the neighborhood, into humanity. And that he actually came to us to reconcile us. What's that mean? To reconcile, it first has to do with connection. To reconnect. To actually bridge the gap. That's what Jesus himself was doing, was reconnecting God and man. Because there is a disconnection. Many of you can feel it in your own soul and mind. There is a disconnection and Jesus came to do it. And he did it out of his love, not ours. This is what John meant in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave. He was moved by compassion. Not, not us. It wasn't something that we did. 
The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. While, while we were still lepers, Christ moved in our directions. Ephesians 2, look at this. This says it great. It says, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ. Excluded. That's that leprosy talk. Excluded. Cut off. You were foreigners to the covenants of the promise. Without hope and without God in the world. But now, everyone say, but now. Come on, Halifax, but now. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. He came to reconcile us, to actually reach unreachable people. Isn't that beautiful? Like you might think I am unreachable. I, I love that God is the kind of God who just shows up in the places you didn't think he'd go. Like what's God doing here? Exactly. It's scandalous. It's amazing. God came to reach unreachable people. Jesus came to reach unreachable people. It's about connection. It's about reconnecting between God and us. It's not just about connection, though. It goes further than, than, than Jesus is here. He was moved, and he moved toward him. And I love that picture because it's not just about connection. It's about capacity. It's about this idea of fulfillment, that, that in his greatness, he fulfills us in our weakness. It's about this kind of reconciliation is about completion. And so Jesus in his capacity moves into our lack and brings out completion. Some of y'all look at me like, what do you mean? I think about it like this. Like you ever been around, you ever been around someone who is proficient at something? They have capacity. Uh, like I have a friend, I have a friend, Jeff, who's a, who's a, who's a surgeon. And he's, he's proficient at plastic surgery. And he's shown me pictures of like hands and stuff that I, gross me out. But he geeks out about it. Why? Because he's got a capacity. He's proficient at it. He's got the gift to be able to deal with that and fix it. And so when he, when he sees a need, he's actually moved by it in its direction. Why? Because he has the means to do something about it. I have a friend, uh, Troy, who's here. He fixes my car. And he's, he's, he's got capacity He's smart. He knows how engines work. He knows how cars work. And, and when I get frustrated because I don't know anything about cars, and if, I didn't, if we had Uber, I think I'd get rid of all my cars. But he sees the brakes and the stuff in my car, and he's not, I, I, I want to kick it and just drive it off a cliff because the brakes and, the, and the, the deficiencies drive me crazy because I don't have the capacity. Troy's got a capacity. He says, bring your car over to me. I'll fix it. This is, this is like what Jesus is doing here. It's his capacity that actually reconciles us. He brings completion. Let me say it like this. He brings completion to your dysfunction. He brings function to your dysfunction. He brings completion to your lack. Like, um, oh, there's that movie, Jerry Maguire. Remember the movie, Jerry Maguire? Tom Cruise, he's like a football agent. And him and Renee Zellweger, oh, it's so romantic, right? Like, you know that one? And like he, he like almost loses the girl and then he goes back and Renee Zellweger's in her like girls book club and it's this romantic scene and Tom Cruise comes in and if you haven't, hey, it's not that girly, like it's a good movie, all right? I, feel, I see some guys like, you watching this, bro? Yeah, I am. And he comes in, he comes in and opens the door and he starts to try to give this speech and she's standing there and he's there and Tom Cruise and he says, you know, like, he goes, you know, we're in a tough business and it's hard out there. And he goes, I love you. And he goes, you complete me. 
right? You know that one? And all the girl, all the women, there's literally an audience of women there. I'm like, oh, right? And then, and then Renee Zellweger goes, shut up. You had me at hello, right? And like, oh, so, so romantic. Oh, my goodness, right? With all due respect to Jerry Maguire and Tom Cruise, that is a lie. No woman, no man, no, 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 no job, no success, no accomplishment, no raise, no car, no substance, no something can complete you. There is a hole in your soul. Solomon said it's eternity itself that only eternity can fill. So here's the gospel. The gospel is that eternity, the glory of God actually left his dwelling place and put on flesh and came to earth and moved in our direction to bring us completion. And completion is found in Jesus. I'm getting fired up because I need to remind myself of this. Sometimes I, I look to other things for completion. No, my reconciliation, my completion is in Christ. That's where satisfaction comes from. And it's, he's the only thing that can fulfill me. See, Jesus came to reach un, unreachable people, and he came to reach unreachable places. To actually, like some of you are single, and, and you think, man, if I had a Jerry Maguire, I'd feel good too. Let me tell you something. I hope you get your Jerry Maguire. I really do. I love being married. My wife compliments me and compels me and holds me up, but she doesn't complete me. And I don't complete her. There is something that only Jesus can fulfill inside of us. And that's what he came for. He moved in his direction. I love that. I could preach a whole message on that. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. That's new creation into that death into sinfulness. The old is gone. The new is here. All of this is from God. He moved because of his compassion. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. That's the gospel. Whew. Someone came here and like you had the worst weekend and you are feeling guilty and full of shame and condemnation. Here's the good news. Jesus is not repelled by you. He's compelled by you. Your brokenness does not make him want to run away. It makes him want to run towards you like a surgeon who can fix the wound, like a mechanic who can fix the car. Jesus wants to fix your life. That's who he is. Man. Let's look at it again. How many of you knew the Bible was so dynamic? It's amazing. Verse 40, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. The move with compassion. Jesus reached out and touched him. Now, people would have gasped. This is where it gets surprising to downright scandalous because now, now we've seen people who, you know, will, will, will move in someone's direction We've seen people who, like, out of their kindness, like we saw Princess Diana. She was we, one of the reasons we love her so much. And you look back on her life is because she would go into the lowly places and she would bring her royalty. And it was something really profound, something that felt very right about someone who's been given much, actually looking out and being with the, those who need much. That's a beautiful thing. We, we see Bono and Bill Gates. There's lots of people who have been moved by compassion and brought wealth into or power into weakness. We, we've seen that before, but now this takes a whole new dynamic because what this means is more than just, it's more than just Jesus was moved by him or even Jesus stepped toward him and said, hey, I'm here, bro, I'm, I'm here. 
I'm not afraid of you. But the Bible says he actually reached out and touched him. I, I, looked, at the, I looked up the Greek today, and, and it actually meant like he, he literally touched his skin. The, the Greek word means to actually cling on or take hold of. And there's actually some language in there that means uh, like, like, like to, to, to grasp in a way that you won't let go. And so Jesus reaches out and touches his skin. And the reason that's so scandalous is because to touch leprosy is to become leprosy. If you're writing notes, take this down. He didn't just come here to reconcile. But now that he has your attention, you need to hear this. He came here to redeem. He came here to redeem. It's more than just coming and being. And you know what? How amazing. Let me finish my statement. He came to touch the untouchable. He came to touch the untouchable. How many of you have ever been in a situation where you were going through something and how much you appreciated someone who maybe wasn't going through what you were going through, but they at least went through it with you. They loved you enough. Maybe you had a sibling uh, that you were going through your darkest time, and they came, and they were just present with you. There is a power in that presence, and that's a beautiful thing. But there's something altogether different when you meet someone who's gone through what you went through. There is, there is a strength to that to that identification that, oh, you know what I feel like. You've been through that. And there's something going on here by Jesus touching him. It's actually Jesus identifying with him. Not just in a sympathetic way, although that's there, but I mean like empathetic, that Jesus literally, to touch his body meant Jesus literally was, in their minds, going to get leprosy. He was basically saying, if you have leprosy, I'll have leprosy too. I'll take on your disease on myself. That's what this picture is. Jesus saying, now you have your attention. I came to take on disease on myself. I came to touch you, not just stand before you and say I love you, but to actually enter all the way into your dysfunction. That's what I came to do. That is an amazing thing that he touched him. He actually reached out. He, he, think about this. That was probably the first person. We don't know how long this man had leprosy. That was probably the first person to have touched his body. In how long? Five years? Ten years? You know, like... We punish our most fierce prisoners with what that man would have been going through. Solitary confinement. Cut them off from human contact. We know that our babies need skin-to-skin contact. We know there's something in us as human beings. Even the most introverted of introverts knows at a certain point, I need to see other human beings or I'm going to go crazy. This man would have not been touched by anyone. And Jesus comes in and touches him. And to touch him was to see him as he really is. I see your leprosy and I'm not afraid of it. In fact, I'm going right in. I'm in this with you. That's what that meant in that moment. I'm in it with you. And for them, through all the layers, you think of of the layers of shame of leprosy. In fact, a a lot of commentators I read said that most lepers had to wear like this black garment that basically signified to everybody that they've got leprosy. And most people had to stay about 50 yards away from lepers while the leopard, if they did have to come in town for anything, they would have to yell out, unclean, 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 so that as a courtesy, 
to everybody else to know you need to get away from me so you don't get leprosy too. And yet Jesus, through all those layers, unclean, 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 the black leper garment, all of it reached in and touched his skin. I see you as you are. And I'm not repelled by you. And I'm getting in this with you. I am actually going to take your dysfunction on myself. That's what's so amazing about Jesus. I mean, we can believe a God who might have some compassion, who might look upon us and and say, I love you, I hope you get through it. But to think a God would actually not just put on flesh, but then take on the disease of the flesh. Scandalous. Hebrews, Hebrews 2, the writer says it like this, since the children have flesh and blood, they're talking about us, he, Jesus, shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds power of death. He went all the way, that is the devil. And that he would free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. You know, how many of you know, because if you are a sin, you're a slave, if you're a sinner, you're a slave to sin. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. That's a fancy word for saying uh, those of us who are born of Abraham. Uh, for this reason, he had to be made like them. Jesus had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. He's gone through it. What's that word atonement really quick? The word atonement is a Jewish word that means to place upon. They would actually have a ceremony, a ceremony of atonement, where they'd, they'd, they'd uh, ritualistically and visibly place the sin of the community on a scapegoat, on a goat that they would sacrifice as payment for their sin. When they use this term atonement, what they are saying is Jesus was that which we placed our sin upon. In other words, he took on our leprosy. That's what Jesus was doing on the cross. He was absorbing our disease, our dysfunction, our decay, all of our shame, all of our failures, all of our shortcomings, all of our regrets, all the things we've done and the things that have been done to us. The Bible says he took it all upon himself. Hebrews 4 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. Empathize is to actually sit in the place of. I've been there is what it's saying. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, tried in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then, therefore, approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. He's saying, because Jesus can identify, you can go and get from him what you need. I'm I'm getting excited about this. Someone needs to hear, like, Jesus knows what it feels like to be betrayed. He knows what it feels like to be humiliated, to be spat upon, literally, to be backstabbed. Some of you have business partners that you've been backstabbed and let down. Do you know that Jesus knows what it means to be backstabbed by someone in their circle they trusted? He knows what it means to be humiliated. He knows what it is to be disappointed. He knows what it is to grieve the loss of someone he loves. He knows what it is to feel pain. He knows what it feels to be angry. He knows what it feels to be, how it feels to be, have angst. He knows the feeling of darkness everywhere. He knows the feeling of fear. He knows the, what that feeling of, of power and life leaving your body feels like. He knows what it's like to take your last breath. He knows what it's like to die. He's gone the whole way in the human experience. I mean, he took leprosy on himself. That's the gospel. Jesus absorbs our iniquity. 
He absorbs it. This is Isaiah 53. You don't have this in your notes, but uh, it says this. Surely he took on our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, struck down and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Let's look at what happens next, and I'll be done in a second. So Jesus reaches out and touches his skin. And it's this scandalous thing to think that God himself would touch that sickness, to touch that disease. And, and in that moment, everybody watching, that was the idea. Okay, this Jesus now is a leper, and he's going to have to go with the lepers where the lepers go. Okay, I guess Jesus is now becoming a leper, but something different happened. They thought that the clean Jesus, when he touched the unclean, was going to become unclean, but something different happened. Look at this. Verse 41, it says, Jesus reached out and touched him, and he said, I am willing. How many know that Jesus is a willing healer? He's a willing healer. He's not holding out anything on you. Someone needs to hear that. God is not holding out anything on you. He's not holding. There, there might be timing. There might be things where he's, he's setting you up for just the right time because he's a just the right time God. But he is not a God who withholds his kids any, any good thing. Watch this. He said, I am willing. He said, be healed. And instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Now, that's going to be unexpected. That was not what was expected. This was, they, everyone would have thought Jesus was going to get, if anything was going to be instant, it was going to be Jesus was a leper now. But now it seems as though the healing that was in Jesus was now greater than the sickness that was in the leper. If you're writing notes, some of you are like OCD and you want my third point. Here it is. Now that Jesus has your attention, you need to know this. He came to reconcile. He came to redeem. He came to restore. It's not just that he knows what it is. It's not just that he went to death just like us so he could identify with us. But he took on death himself and he became victorious in it. And he actually has brought healing and power and life through himself to us. He came to cure the incurable. I think that's such a crazy picture. Like you think everybody's watching in that moment where, where, where Jesus reaches out and touches that which everyone fears the very most, the, the, the dirtiest, most contagious thing alive, the thing that was taken out and ripping apart families and people's futures and lives, the thing that was robbing life itself. Everyone's thinking he's going to get leprosy. And so when Jesus, who is clean, touches the leper who is unclean, it was thought that the unclean would come into the clean, making the clean unclean. But not on this occasion. When the clean touched what was unclean, the clean went into what was unclean, not making the clean unclean, but making the unclean clean. Come on. Oh, man. Like, this is the gospel. The gospel is the great reversal. The gospel is that thing that only Jesus can do, has done, and will do. And that is to take that which is hopeless and turn it into something great. To take your dysfunction and turn it into function. In that moment, Jesus' healing overwhelmed this man's disease. And that's what the gospel does. That's what Jesus does. That's what he came to do. He came to overwhelm that which is overwhelming you. Oh my goodness, that is so good, Pastor Brent. 
He came to overwhelm that which is overwhelming you. Jesus is the great reversal. Leprosy, overwhelmed by healing. Unclean, overwhelmed by clean. Dysfunction, overwhelmed by function. Loss, overwhelmed by gain. Inadequacy, overwhelmed by suffering or by sufficiency. Bondage, overwhelmed by freedom. I'm going to keep preaching. Shame overwhelmed by glory. The past overwhelmed by a future. Darkness overwhelmed by light. Sin overwhelmed by grace. Death overwhelmed by life. I think they're, cheer- I think they're with me at the locations. I was not too long ago, I got a picture of this that, that just meant so much to me. And how many of you know God can speak through the word? When you read the Bible, he can speak through a preacher. He can speak through a song. God, I mean, God is, his word, it just comes. And when you open your ear to it and open your eyes to it, he'll speak to you. And I was driving across the bridge in St. John, and we have a, a wonder of the world in St. John, uh, reversing falls. Anybody? Uh, those of you who are right now in, in Halifax, you've never been to St. John, come, see reversing falls. It's cool. Reversing falls is where uh, the St. John River goes through this tiny little channel. Have you been to St. John River? is a huge river. In fact, it's like a nautical mile across in some spots, which is like a couple of kilometers. It is a massively wide and long river. I mean, I don't even want to guess how many gallons of water flows through into the Bay of Fundy every single day. And, and it actually goes through this tiny little channel in West St. John, this very small channel. It's, it's, and it all funnels through. And so when the river is, 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 is funneling as it does, it's just going through. And in fact, when it's low tide, you can see how much water is just dumping in. It's, it's a really beautiful thing. But then why, the reason it's called reversing falls is the Bay of Fundy is the highest tides in the world. And it doesn't matter how powerful the St. John River is, even focused all in there in that little inlet. doesn't matter how much water is in the St. John River when the tide decides to come in, the St. John River is going back. And I drove by there one day and I felt the Lord just say to me, son, it's not, that, it's not that you don't have a whole river of issues. It's not that you don't have a whole history of things that you've done wrong and things have been done to you. And it's not that you don't have dysfunction and just the flow of dysfunction in your life. It's not, it's not that your sin's not great. It's just that when the tide of my grace comes up, there's nothing your sin can do that my grace is greater than all of your sin. And that's a picture of grace. And I drove by there one day and I felt the Lord just say, see that? That's what I do. I do it every single day too. I find people who are just flowing in dysfunction and they find me and at, at, at just the right time in the day, they find me and my grace starts rising in their life. And, day, and moment by moment, like you can almost see, if I, I go fishing there sometimes, you can see when the tide turns. And it's like five minutes 10 minutes, that thing starts churning. And all of a sudden, the Atlantic Ocean is pushing back the St. John River. And I felt God say that about my life, saying, listen, it's not that the things that you've done wrong don't matter. It's not that the things don't, the wounds aren't deep. It's just that my grace is deeper and stronger. That's what I do. I turn dysfunction into function. That's so helpful to me. I felt God speaking that about our region. I, I could go off on a whole thing there. I felt the Lord say, I'm, I'm about to reverse the, the whole region. I, I, every time I drive by reversing falls, I, I, I think about that word that God spoke to me just saying, 
I'm going to do that. There's been a flow of stuff in this region. There's been a flow of dysfunction in this region. And the tide is rising and it's about to turn back. There's going to be generational curses and issues in the Atlantic Canadian region that I believe in this season, in my lifetime, I'm going to see it flip back and God's going to reverse it. And I'm going to see amazing things. Look, stand to your feet. Stand, stand to your feet, all of our locations. I, I'm going to pray. I, I don't know. I, I had a sense just preparing this message that there are some people under the sound of my voice today that maybe you never heard it this way before. And this is like a first time thing. Like it's just really sinking in for you that Jesus is not repelled by you. He's compelled by you. His great love for you has moved him compassionately in your direction. He is not, uh, there's nothing about your life that, that scares him away. There's nothing he's unwilling to touch. And if you let him touch your life, if you say, just like the leper, he did one thing right. He fell at his feet and surrendered and called upon him. That's what it says in 1 John. Anybody who calls upon the name of the Lord, God will heal him. If we confess our sin before him, he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I felt like there were some people that needed to hear this for the first time, but I actually had on my heart, Christians who needed to hear this. It's amazing how we can hear the gospel and have a moment with Jesus or even a season with Jesus and then ever so suddenly, we start to think, I'm cleansed by my good deeds. That if I'm a good guy and I'm a good person, then, I, then that's what kind of cleanses and refines me and we get it reversed. It's like the tide goes back out. And Jesus, I think, wanted me to remind you this weekend that it is not your good deeds that cleanses you. It is his good deeds that cleanses you. And as his good deeds flow into you, as his goodness flows into you, that's what brings about transformation. It's grace. The whole thing is grace. You're saved by grace. You're changed by grace. You're sustained by grace. Listen, I, I grew up in a tradition. I'm thankful for most of it. But one of the things that, I, that, that the holiness tradition did wrong for me, and I don't know if anybody actually preached that, but that's just the message I got. And I'm sure some of you come and you hear me preach all the time and you're, you're getting what I'm not saying. So I'm going to cut them some slack. But what I picked up was this, that I need to pursue cleanliness, righteousness, that my pursuit needs to be being a good Christian. And what happens though when you do that is I find you get dirty and funky. And where true, true power to change is, is that I make Jesus my pursuit. And then the transformation becomes evidential. Grace actually does that in you. This is what, let me read one more, one more quick thing while you're all standing looking at me. You're gonna wrap it up, man. Let me read this. Let's just read the, the rest of it. Verse 43, Jesus said, uh, Jesus sent him on his way with this stern warning. Don't tell anybody about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. So when you leave here and say, okay, I had an encounter with Jesus. I'm going to be a good Christian. Let your works be a testimony that you have been cleansed. Don't get it twisted. Don't let your good deeds be a testimony that you need, that you're, oh, I'm a good person. No, 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 no. Follow Jesus. Fall at his feet. Pursue him every day. Receive his grace over and over and over again. Let him touch the deepest wounds in your life and bring healing. And as the river of his grace flows into your life, you will be transformed. Father, thank you today for your grace. Thank you for your grace. Lord, thank you that in all of us, 
all of us today, wherever we're gathered, West St. John, Milledgeville, Halifax, Quispamsis, every single one of us are lepers until we meet Jesus. And thank you that when we come to Jesus and we fall at his feet, we receive life, we receive healing, transformation, forgiveness, capacity, purpose, completion, all of it. It's in you, Jesus. Thank you for this reminder. You have our attention. You have our adoration, Lord. And we receive from you all that you want to give us. Reconciliation, redemption, restoration, only in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Hey, how good is God? Let's just give him a shout of praise at all of our locations. Thank you, Father. We love you, Lord.